Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 96. This week, we talk with Jerry Nixon and Darren May about Template 10, an affordable 15 terabyte SSD, Windows 10 IoT Core for the new Raspberry Pi 3, and was the MS Dev Show purchased for $8 billion? This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics, providing tools and solutions to accelerate design, development, insights, and collaboration for any organization. This week we have Jerry Nixon, developer evangelist with Microsoft living in Colorado and author of Developer's Guide to Windows 10. And we also have his sidekick, Darren May, president and co-founder of Crank 211, building next-gen digital experiences. Or is it the other way around? Are you the sidekick, Jerry? No, no, I'm not the sidekick. I'm Batman. I'm certainly not the sidekick either. I think that's a, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we have we have uh, Batman and his sidekick, Batman. <laughs> We've got two Batmans. Superman versus Batman. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay, uh, da- Darren, is it Crank 211? Did he say that right? Crank 211, Crank 211. We tend to say it that way. Yeah. Oh, you say Crank 211? Well, yeah, okay, so Crank 211. Very, very awesome. So, Jerry, welcome back to the show. And Darren, welcome to the show. We're, we're definitely happy to have you here. Pleased to be here. Jason, I am honored to be here. <laughs> well, <laughs> awesome. This, this isn't a competition. So, Carl, what do you think of this heat wave? I am enjoying it. This is the middle of March and it's over 60 where I'm at. So <laughs> just incredible. Okay. Since it's so hot, what is the uh, Infragistics ultimate winner of the week? We have an iTunes review from Bowtie Beach. So that's interesting spelling <laughs> on that too. But he did say he gave us five stars and said, this is one of my favorite podcasts. As a junior dev, my favorite part is the news section at the beginning of each episode. Carl and Jason have found the perfect balance of interesting stories and keeping the time down to the meat of the show. Awesome. Nice. That's good. This because is his we, favorite we actually, part right here, Carl. This is it. Yeah. We'll yeah. yeah. Especially <laughs> hearing when he wins the Infragistics Ultimate license this week. Yeah, right. And now, if you want to be Woo-hoo! like... Yep. <laughs> if you want to be like Bowtie Beach, you need to uh, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com, comment on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, or even the comment section on our website. We love those five-star iTunes reviews. Yep. We read all of that. And that's like, that's just like really keeping us going because we've been getting so much feedback. You know what else keeps me going, Jason? What? Getting those video and audios for the swag bag. Yeah. We haven't asked, we haven't asked for those in a while. So it's still. We missed an episode that just won, Jason. Okay. We missed one. So you have, (laughs) you have about three weeks to get that in. And, Mm -hmm. um, we're starting to actually get some of the uh, stuff that we've bought for this, um, together and it's going to be pretty awesome giveaway. Yep. So, so get got, your submissions in. Yeah, we got uh, a backpack and and just it's going to be full of technology and stuff. <laughs> MS Dev Show stuff. How do you get it so, to the winner? Uh, we're going to ship, ship it. it. So I've 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 said this previously, but I want to make this clear: if it's uh, out of the country and you know there's some crazy crazy rules, like it's super difficult. Like I'm not going to smuggle it into North Korea or something. So. <laughs> Uh, for our <laughs> North and Korean we're not listeners, get a Sherpa or anything. <laughs> it's probably a worthwhile <laughs> yeah. endeavor. 
Yeah, so Canada is probably doable. I don't, you know, most of Europe, I would imagine. Yeah, probably most of Europe, uh, Australia. Those are we. Those are probably doable, but um, I don't know. If you live in Upper Turkmenistan or something, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure Carl has been there. Anyway, (laughs) you you get the idea. Canada and North Korea don't often appear in the same sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, we're just saying those are not not similar. Oh, we're going to be in so much trouble. So let's get into the news. So uh, first one here, Microsoft mulled an $8 billion bid for Slack. We'll focus on Skype instead. Cheap at half yeah, the price. So, yeah, well, I don't want to comment so much on the $8 billion tag because, you know, I think that's kind of ridiculous, but I also don't buy and sell companies for a living. So I, I don't think I'm quite qualified on that, but I do love Slack and I do like Microsoft. Yeah. So I thought this was kind of an interesting topic that could have happened. You know, what would have happened if Microsoft would have bought Slack? Well, I always wonder, too, if, you know, something like Slack, um, and this is definitely nothing at all against Slack, but a lot of these different applications, like they they get super, super popular and they they can like disappear as quickly as they appeared. You know, the next thing will come along. I mean, for a while it was like Campfire and I've heard of like Hip Chat. Hip chat. And now it's just like Slack, Slack, Slack. It's like a year from now. I mean, it, it would it would not surprise me if a time traveler came back and said like, "Oh yeah, Slack that was cool a year ago, but we don't use that anymore." So it's like, do you want to spend eight billion dollars on 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 the uh, you know just the cool thing of the week? But you know, like you've you've mentioned to me, Carl. You know, the biggest thing is like getting those developers and that mindset and that whole thing. Yeah, I think the other thing too here is you know the, there's comments about oh let's just like develop this into add this to Skype and. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not sure if I really like that idea a whole lot either, just because to me, Skype is a lot of things that isn't that style of chatting, that yeah. style of IMing. Yeah. I, I don't know how you guys use that, uh, if you guys use Slack, uh, Jerry and Darren, but, you know, I, I find that I use Skype and Slack totally differently. I use it. So, um, you know, we have a bunch of creatives on the team. And one of the interesting things for us is, you know, I don't know, speaking from most developers or whatever, you tend to find a tool and when it works, you just carry on using it until something Mm -hmm. precipitates a change into something else. Uh, Whereas uh, what I find with the creatives is they are often just trying stuff just for the heck of it. And so they'll pull down all these different things. So we've been through Yammer, we've been through HipChat, we've been through Slack and so on and so forth. You know, we have Skype, which we use primarily for professional communications with external companies and so on and so forth. Um, So we've gone through that whole plethora of different tools. I happen to really like Slack. It's a nice, it feels casual. Whereas I think there's something about transitioning over to Skype. It feels like you've moved into a more professional um, mm. to and fro communication rather than Slack, which is, you know, you have your channels and, you, you know, we've got a gaming channel where um, any interesting gaming news comes out, we post on there. We have channels around basic teams. We have channels we create around projects. And so that, I think, is very different than how you tend to use Slack. You know, you or Skype, I mean, Skype, yeah. you know, you go to Skype, you might speak with an individual, you occasionally set up a group, but it's not a common fire and forget mechanism for communication, whereas I find Slack is. You're right. And it's all business and it's never really team building. Whereas like on my team, I mean, yeah, we'll use the Slack channel, like you said, for gaming or movies or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's just sort of a team building thing. So it's important for work. But at the same time, you don't want that to be like your, you know, as part of like the, the corporate record for, for absolutely no reason. Yeah. I mean, we used to use Yammer um, like mm-hmm. that a few years ago, um, you know, as a fire and forget kind of communications channel and so on and so forth. But I just... 
never really felt like Yammer clicked with the team and so on and so forth. And we don't use SharePoint, so it didn't really make a huge sense sort of continuing along that route as things were more and more integrated. But, yeah, we're definitely liking Slack. I'm not sure I'd pay $8 billion or $1 billion <laughs> for it myself. <laughs> well, the, the free version just doesn't have archiving, right? Exactly. And uh, we, we use the free version. It's what works really well. Yeah, there's nothing that gets said in those channels that we want to save for posterity, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the other thing. So a year from now, do you think Slack is going to be as important as it is today? Well, I mean, you mentioned the new hotness tends to come along. And uh, mm -hmm. when whenever you're experiencing the current hotness, you can't necessarily imagine what the new hotness is going to be. And yeah. so, um, you know, I struggle to think of what net new function would come along that would be a game changer to switch to slack i mean they're adding video um, or voice and video and so on and so forth the file sharing is pretty effective um unlike in skype for example where sometimes you have to work out where the heck your file got downloaded to um but you know never say never that's the one thing i've learned about this industry is you exactly never say nothing well, the other change yeah, the other thing is the integrations, right? I think that's really going to get it so that people just can't switch. You know, it's like, well, it already integrates with my build system and all these yeah. other things, and that's just that's that's how they're. I think that's how they're essentially getting uh, getting lock in. Yeah. But you know, I guess I'm wondering is is Slack, you know, MySpace or is it Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is it my Facebook? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows? MySpace. Oh. You guys have so little faith. Since when does Microsoft overpay for a company? <laughs> That's when does Microsoft have to write off what they okay. Well, the nice thing is, the nice thing is, I mean, it, it wasn't purchased. So it's not like yeah. we have to be like, oh, no, no, Slack is going to be here forever. Yeah, I mean, did we dodge a bullet, that, but... I wonder? Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's kind of what I'm wondering. Like, cause, cause here's the thing. 8 billion we, we, could buy you a lot of Skype capability, couldn't it? Yeah. But we, but the thing is, you know, Microsoft could have bought it for 8 billion and then it could have failed. And then Microsoft would have got a blame for it, of course. Mm -hmm. But I, I guess, I guess my, my thesis is that, um, it, if it was going to fail, like it's probably, it's, it's, if it was going to fail under Microsoft, it's probably going to fail either way. And cause I think it's going to be from external, uh, influences, not, not because Microsoft purchased it. Now, yeah, that, also, now that Microsoft when, owns uh, Xamarin, this is a harder question, but Carl, if Microsoft could buy any company and you could just tell them to do it, what would you tell them to buy? I'd say buy Crank to 11 for $8 billion. In addition, MS Dev Show is a company. So. Yeah, we are an LLC. They could purchase us for $8 billion. We, we No, no, no. You guys that. would go for seven. You guys are easy going. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold out for eight. I I couldn't take it. This month, this month, seven billion. Next month, you never know. Yeah. So Xamarin used to be the easy answer. So what is there now, Carl? I you know I think that's pretty tough too, especially since it's a little bit more on on the spot. I think this is you know something you almost have to really think about. Unity. Mm -hmm. Unity. Well, so yeah. I well, what about, about uh, what about like uh, JetBrains? Yeah, that'd be or TechSmith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be wild if all those shipped with Visual Studio? I know, <laughs> I know. Well, because yeah. that, that was how I came up with that, that company, right? Because I'm just thinking, like, what are the things that I install after I install Visual Studio that, you know, I'm telling everybody, like, just install this. You, you definitely need this. Well, what and we need is It would that be nice if there was nothing else, yeah. We need yeah. Visual Studio to take another two days to install, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's being fixed in the next version. <laughs> anyway, let's... That one. <laughs> <laughs> I think everything's being fixed in the next version now that I... 
think about yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Let's let's move on to the next item because maybe this will help. <laughs> Samsung. Or, or Monst- no, no, how about like IT, IoT, like Insteon or something like that would be a cool thing too. You just messed up my cool segue. Oh, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep rolling. Snip, say, roll so, back. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if uh, cool, if two cool, days cool. is too slow. Yeah, then you need our next uh, news story, which is Samsung's monstrous 15 terabyte SSD is now shipping. <laughs> so, so I saw this one and immediately emailed this one to my boss, a link to this this article. Yep. This yeah. is a 15 terabyte SSD in a two and a half inch enclosure. Oh, it's really like it's in the same enclosure, huh? The, the only thing is it only has like the enterprise rack connections. Oh. So you can't put it in your laptop. But I would I would not mind getting an adapter or something. Yeah, yeah so I, I think yeah, I think the I think the bigger story here is just that I, I think we're I think we're really close to SSDs just completely destroying uh, spinning rust hard drives. Exactly. As far as cost, um, they already every in every other metric they're already winning. So I mean the co- once the cost is no longer a factor, finally we'll we'll have those. Yeah. And, and they mentioned that this is the first time that an SSD had a larger capacity than what previous previously ex- exists for a regular hard drive yeah so yeah because i think I, I think they're right i mean there's just so many limits with the the spinning uh discs and getting more capacity like they're having a heck of a time to increase them and then they're just like boom 15 gig ssd done, or 15 terabyte yeah. ssd for 8K, that's incredible that's not a bad price point really when you think about it yeah i mean obviously uh not necessarily going to want to put that into your uh, luggable but uh imagine yeah. you know as that comes down it's yeah I'm going to get three of these and put them in a RAID 0. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Your laptop doesn't have two, uh, two, two U uh, slot? Of course it does. Well, announcing the $8 billion buyout of the MS Dev Show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, that wall behind uh, you is going to be covered in these things. Yeah, Money exactly. Money to burn. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You have a gold-plated 15-terabyte uh, SSD I could buy? Yeah, I don't think the gold plating, I think that's just it has like. has to be gold. That's a discount. Yeah, I think it. I no, I, yeah, I think yeah, it's a discount. I think it's just a checkbox. I don't think there's any kind of adder. It's just the same price. <laughs> uh, Windows 10 IoT Core support for Raspberry Pi 3. So actually, this is like two news stories in one because the first news story is that the Raspberry Pi 3 came out. Yeah. And is I don't know. Depending on what article you read, it's like one and a half to twice as fast as the uh, previous iteration, which is has not been out very long at all. And uh, since this thing is uh, reasonably compatible with the the older version, it just adds, um, it's obviously, like I said, faster, but it also adds Bluetooth and Wi-Fi built right in. Uh, but the, the backwards compatibility means that it was pretty easy for Windows 10 to add support for the, Win- the Windows 10 IoT Core edition. So there is a new, basically, image to get that thing set up. So if you do buy a Raspberry Pi 3, I want to stress how easy it is to get up and running on this thing because you basically image an SD card, pop it in, and you are up and running. And it's probably one of the easiest devices, actually, to install Windows 10 on. And I've been really looking forward to this ever since that I, I heard this announcement come out with the wireless and Bluetooth because that really makes the really the hardest part of what you'd want to do, hook it up to a network and attach a keyboard and mouse, mm-hmm. absolutely painless at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now the hardest part is just getting one because yeah. people keep buying all of them. Uh, I didn't see the yeah, price. Be- what do they cost? 35 bucks. Oh my Same price. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, because I've been doing some IoT work in my basement, and I failed to realize initially that it's on the other side of the basement as my as my uh, router. So then I had to like l- 
lug a huge wire all the way across my basement and i had (laughs) over is that why you're all sweaty carl no this was previously jason (laughs) okay okay and then um no that's something else jason i just i just love how dramatic i had to lug i mean it was like three days of work it was it was was like a boat going you know how that either that cable's so heavy (laughs) (laughs) by the spool come on oh so dramatic carl (laughs) <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, I also had an overnight. He's got an uh, enormous basement, man. You don't understand. <laughs> I'll try to million dollars. It's going to be big. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh, boy. It's going to be this kind of ep- episode, huh? <laughs> yeah. And well, anyways, we're out of time. <laughs> well, one of the pains that was with Raspberry Pi 2 was finding the right kind of wireless chip that would yep. work with it and then actually getting it. So I had to do that research and quick overnight it just so I could uh, – make it easier to plug and unplug and not bother my family for the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. But with this all built in, it really becomes a more complete package. Cool. Okay. 101 ways to make your website more awesome. Yeah. So there's a lot of us that do uh, just a ton of things with websites, whether it's be for professionally, personally for, you know, you know, maybe a hobby of yours. And, you know, a lot of us as developers can use a you know a bunch of help making our websites look better. And instead of just coming out with you know, like a tip or two, I, I agree with most of the stuff that's on this page. So they have 101 things, and obviously you're not going to need to do all of these. But you know, lists like these are great to look at and just like, hey, what what check boxes have I thought about? Which ones haven't I? And maybe focus on like some of that low hanging fruit that you might have. So what are some of the good ones here? Uh, you know, one of the ones that um, is on here that we actually don't do on our website, it says make the social media buttons on your site smaller. Mm-hmm. Social media is supposed to get people f- from somewhere else to your site. Don't make that huge. Do, and, we, do we even have those on our site? Yeah, you did it. Jay. Oh, you mean the ones on the side? I thought, okay. Yeah, we don't have them under each. Uh, yeah, they're like yeah. half the page. Yeah. Well, don't <laughs> just subscribe. I, we, we have even a have them? I don't <laughs> I'm glad you guys didn't say um, it was the we one where experts. you didn't change your admin account. Yeah. <laughs> it's a static site. There's nothing to hack, fortunately. I was trying to read that list of 101 ways, but there are advertisements everywhere. I couldn't really. Oh, really? No. You need Wouldn't ad block. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Really? And they're like, they're not following any of these. <laughs> so some of these, like some of these are really challenging too. Like the, you know, using, um, the uh, the retina or high DPI images and stuff like that. Like I I did get that working on my site, but I have a static site, so my server is really not capable of of deciding uh, what to send you. So I end up having to send down uh, full resolution images for just about everybody. Um, holy cow! Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff here. Install an SSL certificate. This is still way too hard, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the MS Dev Show has a broken SSL cert right now. It used Thank to be good, and then it expired. Yeah. And. It's, why just, is it so hard? It's just a license uh, to print money, isn't it? SSLs. That's the reality yeah. with it. Yeah, it, it's 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 just oh, it's such, such a pain. It's not like they actually verify anything, right? So I just I just <laughs> want SSL, just SSL is the big oil of computers. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Why does yeah. it go away? Because they're so rich. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else good in here? What do we see here? Enable GZIP. Yes. I mean, a lot of these are like performance things too. use a CDN, optimize images. Yeah. I mean, if you're not doing, if you're not doing a lot of these basics, like I think you should go through this checklist. If you're not doing a lot of these basics, then, uh, uh shame on you. Well, I mean, those, good those performance things become so important now when we've got such rich interactive mm-hmm. sites, um, present site excluded, obviously. Um, but you know, the, uh, 
all of that responsive layout and as you mentioned all of the different sizes of the images and so on and so forth you know i've got what a 5k and a 4k display sitting on my uh, desktop and so performance that looks good on those is going to kill machines it's like uh, my buddy in the office next to me he's got a, a lower spec cpu and uh on his 5k display the scrolling is just appalling it's horrible i almost feel sorry for him <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's I, bad. when I look at sites on mine, let's see. Darren said he has a, a four and five. My six and seven K monitors. No. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He's ten foot wide. The scrolling, the scrolling is crazy. Yeah, I just I I I, I just have a Amazon subscription set up for K, so they just send me like a new K every every day. time I one's just, released. You you get yeah. It. Just I just keep piling the K. I got I don't even know how many Ks I have. Yeah, <laughs> I've so got a six count if they're on Post-it notes. <laughs> 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 so so here's my here's my my biggest biggest website tip for you and it's funny this 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 seems kind of obvious but you know we went through this era where we were like slicing up like psds and and making like these these websites that were i don't i don't even know what to call it they were you know so like designers thought they looked amazing and everybody else hated them uh but just like keep it however simple you think it should be like make it 10 times simpler than that like you don't need any of this um, and this site actually, they do a pretty good job. Like they have like a, they have like a, a title, they have the, uh, you know, the, the date on here, they have a picture and then they jump right into the text and I commend them for that. I love that. It just gets, gets right to the information. I might add a blink tag somewhere, but I don't, not sure where right now. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's pretty simple. <laughs> Probably not all the P tags. <laughs> Okay, so let's 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 get to the meat of the episode, as it was called in the the comment before. Mm, sounds um, delicious. Yeah, let's get to the delicious meaty section here. So we uh, we have a nice um, uh, Jerry and Darren uh, burger here for everybody to, uh, to munch on. <laughs> uh, yes. So great. I don't I don't know what you guys want to go first, but uh, I wanna I wanted to find out what uh, what you guys have been up to, especially you, Jerry, since the last time you've been here. So why don't you why don't you tell us? Uh, let's see what what let's see what did we talk about last time. I have no idea. I wasn't listening. Boy, that's the truth. Uh, let's see. <laughs> now it was XAML and hamburgers. And uh, yeah. you know what? This is the second time talking about burgers. But just, you know, it was it was the hamburger menu last time. And now it's the meat. Now for, I think for, <laughs> it just sounds awesome. Just wrong. You say it. It's just great. Let's switch it let's over to Marmite. For, push forward. Push forward. <laughs> uh, Windows 10. We were talking. We always are talking about Windows 10. Yeah. I think we were yeah. talking about the initial release of Windows 10. And, yeah, it was uh, right before the initial release. Yeah. And we were talking about, there was a preview version of developer's guide for Windows 10 on Microsoft Virtual Academy at the time, talking about all the new changes. And of course, since then, we've had update one. And as we roll into uh, Redstone one, where there's a lot, oh my gosh, there's so much coming. But mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing, not the biggest thing, but certainly something that's been keeping me busy and what we're talking about today is sort of a, the alternative to the blank, the alternative to the blank template that ships with Visual Studio to create a Windows 10 application. And mm -hmm. uh, in, you know, in Windows 8, that was, uh, we had several options. None of them were great, but we had several options. In Windows 10, it's blank only. And so... Along came template 10. And so, you know, that's that has taken quite a bit of time. It's amazing how an open source project can suck time out of your life. It's crazy. <laughs> as much time as you want to give it, it will it will take for sure. Yeah. So do you do you know why? I don't, so I, I'm this isn't leading in that way or anything, but <laughs> do you know why we went from so many options on on the Windows 8 templates to having just a blank template in 
Yeah. In Windows 10 SDK? Why? Yeah, of course. Darren, you want to tell them? Sure. So the fundamental problem that happened with uh, Windows 8 and 8.1 application development was everybody started using those templates as the basis for their application. And so you ended up with 1,001 apps in the App Store that all looked identical. There might have been subtle variations in color, but fundamentally every app looked identical to one of those templates. And so the problem came that certainly when Windows 8 was originally launched, the uh, design guidance was very prescriptive. And it was, you know, thou shalt look this way and you will have this amount of gap and you will have this layout and so on and so forth. It was certainly relaxed as people started to realize that it meant every application looked the same. But the problem was it became very easy for developers to just go click, I'm gonna create a hub app template and I'm gonna throw my content in there and ship it. And that wasn't given the sort of experience that I think everybody was looking for in the uh, the app. So I think the Windows 10 ship one blank template was the pendulum swinging very much in the opposite direction. Which like was, hitting okay. the wall in the other direction. I know. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. um, we're not going to give you uh, anything to start with. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so, in the design world, there's a, there's a term called visual alignment. And it's, it's the idea most developers understand it conceptually. And it's the reason we build line business systems that copy office right because we know that if apps look similar then users are comfortable and training is easier right if we always put our menus in the same places anyway so we were looking for visual alignment in in windows 8 with all of this prescriptive guidance but it ended up being just a clone war it was crazy Mm -hmm. so i'm assuming that because we went from having all these wonderful choices to copy and paste from and not change from battleship gray to anything else um, to nothing is probably one of the biggest reasons why you guys started template 10. What else was there? Well, there were two things. One is um, our industry's kind of matured to a place where we don't have to convince developers anymore that their apps need to be really good. Like uh, we don't have to say um, user experience is important. And let me tell you why the, people already know that now, right? We've kind of come of age in a way to, Kind of, kind of a new world for apps, I think, where the expectation is much, much higher, partly because it's so easy to uninstall apps today. But um, another thing that was missing in the, in the original uh, templates that shipped was, well, no, this is not what was missing. What was there was tons of boilerplate code and a lot of misdirection as far as patterns. And yeah. so I think that, that, you know, I mean, we say that visual alignment or the sort of clone issue is one of the reasons why there weren't why we only have blank today, it might actually be, be from just pressure of not of delivering this and then delivering what ended up being really wonky sort of guidance to developers on how to build apps internally, which when you're just building notepad or something silly, you could have any sort of pattern. It doesn't matter. But as soon as you get into the real world, and you start, start building something that's significant. All of a sudden, these patterns really matter. And if you turn to the templates as your guide, all of a sudden, you're going down these crazy roads that make life harder instead of easier, more complex instead of simple. And so I think there's a lot of that as well. And so when you look at template 10, like even the templates that ship with it, right? So there's a library as well as templates inside Visual Studio. When you look at the templates, they'll ship with empty folders, sort of like the MVC, uh, the ASP.NET MVC templates ship just for the sake of guiding developers of, hey, where do you even put this sort of thing? And so there's empty folders where to put them. So part of it, I think, was this visual aspect, which is a huge ordeal to kind of tackle. But I think the other half, is it half, maybe it's more than half, is this idea around guidance. 
Yeah, I think I think you know the the problem we had was uh, establishing conventions. You had, as you mentioned, a lot of solutions that were uh, limited in scope that were really, I think, intended to explain why, for example, the suspension manager, to explain an approach you could take for suspension and to understand the life cycle because Windows developers had never had to deal with it beforehand. So they needed something to establish it. But I think the problem with shipping it in every single template made it seem like this is the way you have to do it. And I I think there was a dilemma because... If you come from the WPF world, the way you build apps inside Windows 10 isn't the same. It's not dramatically different, but it's big enough that different the enough, things yeah. that you bring with you just don't always fit. And then all of a sudden, you're making something up. And here we are at the at this kind of birth of a new way, and everybody's just dreaming up all of this craziness, trying to sometimes even fit the old way into the new way, making things harder, and then telling other developers this is how they did it as if it was a good idea. And so that's... Part of it, the other part is, plus we're attracting now a lot of new developers that have never even considered C-sharp or XAML. Now they're building for Windows 10 because it's appealing, and they have nothing to go on except for a totally different approach. And what do we give them as far as guidance? But, you know, this almost impossible to kind of trudge through MSDN documentation that never says to a developer, do it this way. It always says, here are the five ways you can do it. Good luck. And that's a really difficult place to kind of throw a developer into, especially when that's not what they want. Some developers, that's exactly what they want, by the way. They just want an open field and let them be smart about it. But all developers are smart, really. Some of them just don't want to have to pay the learning tax. They just want to be told how what works so we can go with that, and I'll change it when I need to. Well, especially if you talk about the enterprise developer as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's one thing if you're building, say, a commercial application where you really want to have a differentiated user experience and so on and so forth. But the enterprise developer is probably trying to fit within a suite of products. They're probably not going to want to spend a huge amount of time building infrastructure. They want to solve the business problem at hand in the most cost-effective way. And you know, the, as you mentioned, there's a huge learning tax to getting started with UWP and understanding all of those things. Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI tools and enterprise mobility solutions, SharePlus and Report Plus enable high-performance apps on any device, faster data insights, simplified collaboration, and market-leading security, all backed by comprehensive support. With Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI Development Toolkit, you can ensure mission-critical applications deliver a superior user experience on the desktop, web, and native device environments, for iOS and Android. With the latest BI tools, wow your customers with dashboards providing the data insights they need when and where they need it, all at a low total cost of ownership. Try it today. Download a free trial at infragistics.com and follow them for the latest updates in UX and UI development, reporting, and collaboration at Infragistics on Twitter. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you will get a free copy of Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI toolset. And I, I think if you look at, like, even if you take the blank template today, it ships with a lot of boilerplate code that's there. And you, you almost ask yourself, why is it there? Sometimes I think it's only there to teach developers, right? It's there to kind of demonstrate, but developers are too... You know, I mean, it's so new to them, they would never delete that stuff. And so yeah. now, you know, even if you go to Hello World and all you say is Hello World on the front first page, look at template 10 versus the blank app. The blank app's loads and loads of lines of code and template 10's two or three. And so it's just, yeah. it's a big difference that, you know, how do we communicate to developers? That's really the philosophy behind template 10. It's really um, 
it's really caught on as well. I think this mindset is very appealing to developers. They they understand kind of where you head for it. And so I think that really accounts for the popularity of template 10. Yeah, I never know what I can delete. And then whenever I delete stuff, I always break something. So yeah, it's very brittle. <laughs> so what is template 10 exactly? I mean, is it is it literally just a set of templates that's, you know, part of my file new project instead of having one option? Or is there something else to it? I know you mentioned that there's, you know, it'll stub in some folders and things like that for you to, to guide you. But is it really is it just templates? Well, in it's order to make template works, time. yeah, that's right. In order to make templates work, you're going to need a library. And so there is a library mm -hmm. because of that. Okay. At, its, at its heart, it's templates, though, isn't it, Darren? I mean, at its very It heart. is. I mean, that, that's the core thing. I mean, where it came out was uh, Jerry and I were building an app for an MVA. Uh, we wanted to demonstrate kind of a soup to nuts. Uh, I guess it was a Windows 8.1 universal app, wasn't it? and yeah. to demonstrate the multi-headed approach and all of these services and really build a non-trivial application to demonstrate that there are many more challenges to building a non-trivial app than perhaps the uh, level 101 um, instructions that are available really led people to believe. And in doing so, Jerry was bringing forward a lot of the services and resources that he'd built to evangelize capabilities on his blog. And I brought in a lot of the uh, lessons learned from the commercial apps that I've been building. And we thought it would make sense to kind of bring that together into a sort of consistent library. And that really was the foundation, I think, from which Template 10 sprung. And then, you know, once we had all of these things, it was, well, how do we show people how they can incorporate them into some apps? Well, let's build some templates, and there you go. That's how we That's end how up. That's how it happened. In Windows 8, we were in love with Prism. So Prism for store apps is a completely different code base than Prism for WPF. But it really added a lot of capability to it. And it, when that didn't roll over to UWP right away, we needed it straight away for the, all the courses we were teaching and the apps we were building. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do in that gap? You steal all their code. And that's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of we concepts inside. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, still uh, from right, one so is plagiarism. Still from many is research. Ah, that's right. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so if I want to get started now, what is what do I do? Is there something I can install and do file new project? Is this a NuGet? Do I clone the repo? You know, you know what, what's All my first above. steps? All yeah, I think if a normal developer probably should start with just going to the extension manager inside Visual Studio. Search so I was wondering if it's in. part of that too. Yeah. It is. And then you say install, and then you say file new project. There will be three new projects that are template 10 projects right in Universal now. And you select, one of them is Hamburger. Sorry, you select Hamburger and hit F5. That's it, right? And you kind of yeah. go from there. And uh, we just and did that it. that will uh, pull down the NuGet package for you. So the, uh, the actual yep. library itself is a is on NuGet as well as in GitHub so you can bring down the source. So the extension that gives you the template is by far the easiest way to get going. Okay. And then I pick so I pick uh I pick the template and then what do I do next? I mean, can I I can run it right out of the box? Will it do something? Sure, yeah, it'll it'll load up okay. and it has there'll be one form field that you can pass a value to another page and that's the okay. end. And so and Darren actually, has that's, put his you know, mark on that. That's actually kind of nice because I hate it whenever they don't do that type of thing because that's always you know it's always a hassle to figure out how to do that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I what what that. it isn't, it's not full of like sample data, right? Right. Remember right. the hub no, hub app good. where it was like all yeah. this sample fake data that you I hate it because I, I never know what I can take out of there, and I I'm telling you, I take out the code that I think is I don't need, 
And then I go to run it, compile errors. Once I fix that, then I, I open it up. The, the app is blank. I'm a terrible developer. Well, <laughs> it's, so. a, it's a two-edged sword with an open source project. And so for a long time, the, the, the library was good and the documentation was terrible because, I mean, there's only <laughs> Nobody so many laborers. Yeah. And so then Darren and I decide we're going to do a Microsoft Virtual Academy course just on Template 10. And uh, then we're sort of humiliated into writing all the documentation up on the wiki. <laughs> well, so now, now it's nice and robust. Okay. Well, the reality was we sat down and said, well, how does this work? Oh, let's write a slide that explains it. Hey, why don't we write it in the wiki and copy the wiki onto the slide? That'll save us so much time. Forcing function. So is that is that MVA available now? Yeah, I let's see. The, today we're recording, but I think by the time you release it, are you releasing it this week? Yeah, uh, probably on Friday. Yeah, so it'll be um, it'll be available by then. Should be out by yeah. then. Yeah. Okay, so we'll we'll figure out how to include a link to that then. Yeah. If it, and if you don't, it's just MicrosoftVirtualAcademy.com and just search for xaml windows 10 or something by the way this will be a companion to other courses on on mva that darren and i have done including um xaml for windows 10 an actual series of courses called xaml okay. for windows 10 that are nice and um it was a pretty good very, very advanced yeah they're very okay. advanced anyway so just to throw that in there yeah. just for no, carl Carl. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, you know, like if I started like a project a few months ago and I, you know, I didn't quite get some of the concepts and I want to kind of lean on template 10, can I pull this into an existing project or do I really got to start from scratch? No, you don't have to start from scratch, but a transition from an existing to a template 10 is not zero work for sure, mm-hmm. because you're going to have to. I mean, just think of really the, what you're the gonna massive amount of boilerplate code you're going to have, to, you're going to remove, right? You're going to yeah. make, I mean, that's you know, part, so part are, of the work. I mean, it's broken up into a few things. There's some services there that um, are general purpose and general usage. But there are some core foundational um, services, such as the navigation service and so on and so forth, that do have a reliance upon implementing certain interfaces and so on and so forth to make the... Uh, the work that the uh, framework does for you hang together. So, you know, if there's a particular key feature you want to drop in, such as a hamburger control or a title control, you can use those in isolation without having everything else there. But if you want to really adopt the whole automation around navigation and suspension and resumption and so on and so forth, then you're really going to want to embrace it. And Carl, maybe a better question would be, if I have an app today, and um, is it worth the transition over to template 10. And I think it's dramatically worth it. If I were writing the check paying for that app, I would demand that you do it just for the sake of all the code that you've written so far. Yeah, the $8 (laughs) billion I'm writing because you, there's no way you have tested as much as we have tested template 10. There's just no way. You don't have the number of users and developers that are using it all the time. And so it's just one of those things where it's amazing the... That's one weird thing. I, you know, I'm not a, a big open source guy, and so this is an open source project. And so beyond just the surprise of how much work it is, is how much, <laughs> how much involvement like just kind of manifests from the grassroots. It's absolutely incredible. There's a huge and amount the, of passion out there, isn't there? Yeah, oh. and the esoteric testing that they do in these weird sort of scenarios, and it's all done, right? They've come in, and yeah. I can do left to right and right to left and high contrast and everything else. And it's just one of these things that... Even if you've already written a good portion of your app, it's still worth it just because of things like that. I believe that. And it depends on how far away. If, if you're about to, if you're publishing tomorrow, it's not worth it. No way. Yeah. But if, you know, if you're halfway in, I would, I would definitely research it. 
No, that's, that's awesome. That, that is a good question. And that's an awesome answer to that. Very cool. Um, so what kind of conventions do I need to be aware of whenever I'm using this? I, I know you guys mentioned like, you know, certain folders and things like that. I, you know, what, what else should I be aware of? Like, is there, are there, um, like IOC type of things where stuff just gets wired up for me? Like, you know, I don't know what, what are well, the things I'm not even thinking of? Let's create two camps. There's, there's a camp. First are the immortals, right? These are the apps like Facebook and Twitter and these really high profile apps that they, they have internal ways of doing things that are, and they're measuring performance on a level that you and I, we never even get to that, right? They have mm-hmm. so much going on there. They follow their own set of things, right? So I think it's important that we know that we're only really talking to 80, maybe 90% of the developers out there, not yeah. the other ones that are... So normal doing normal apps that the are The mortal not developers. We're doing the mortal yeah, developers. Yeah. Right? The yeah, listeners mortal. of this show. <laughs> right. And so that means things like patterns are okay, right? I mean, yeah. when you look at Facebook and we were, Absolutely. if you tore it open, you'd be like, whoa, where are all your, where's, where's your view model? And they don't have a view model. Well, that's because they're doing it totally yeah. differently, right? Because they have yeah, they're like, oh, view models are too slow. Yeah, right. yeah, I, that that happens on the on the cloud side, you know, because I, I deal more on the on the cloud side of things. And you know, if you go to like, um, I think it's highscalability.com, and they have all these architectures out there uh, by like you know eBay and um, you know Stack Overflow is another one we've talked about. You go out there and you and you look at like their guidance, and it's just completely absurd. They're like, all oh, foreign keys to anything is is insane, and yeah. like, you know. And, and, and I think with, um, was it stack overflow? They're like, Oh, you don't want your data to be normalized in your database. Like denormalize all of your data (laughs) and like all, all this stuff that like anybody, anybody who is asking any questions about that, that's the exact opposite of what you want to say to them. Yeah. Uh, because they're not in they're not one of these like one percenters when it comes to these just insane, insane apps. Right. So that makes a lot where, of sense. Where we would be lucky to have a million users. We definitely don't have a million users a day, right? And things like that, or, or an hour. It's just, yeah. that's not us. And so for the rest of us, where we're building apps and we need to maintain them over time and we need to share the code base across other developers, all of a sudden we're really attracted to patterns because we use it as a way of communicating. Like architecture, sometimes is the only documentation that your app will ever have. Yeah, and it's so, a common vocabulary that you can share across all manner of times. Right. Yeah, and so you know things like well, here's what's out of the box. Out of the box is is MVVM. So since this is a XAML, C sharp is sort of the driver. And uh, Visual Basic developers can totally use Templeton as well. They have a little work ahead of them because there's no Visual Basic template for starting. But the library doesn't preclude them at any way, in any way. But at okay. the same time, our assumption is you're a XAML developer, you're you're a managed developer like a C sharp developer, and you go from there. And so that's the first. That believe it or not, that's the first convention, and then we from there we add like MVVM um, without requiring our MVVM. And so there's a here's a whole another mm. you know I don't know can of worms of okay. which MVVM are you supposed to use, Darren? What's the right answer? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you know the answer is it's whatever somebody is familiar with. If they're not familiar with anything, then you know they're a strong. Uh, camps out there that would go MVVM light. You've got others that would talk about Caliburn as the way to go. Obviously, there's a Prism capability out there. Maybe Cross, <coughs> Excuse me. cross is popular. Yeah. yeah I'm, obviously, we've got a baseline implementation within uh, Template 10 just so that we can oh, demonstrate yeah. the concepts. Okay. okay. But, you know, we're not trying to replace all of those because that's a whole bunch of work. And yeah. again, you know, 
if you're trying to fight for hearts and minds of people around an MVVM implementation, I think that you've got an uphill battle. Instead, yeah. we're trying to solve different problems that um, allow people to quickly build competent applications that hang together with great architecture, as Jerry's mentioned, are well-tested and so on, and are robust and give people a strong starting point that if you need to perform optimization activities down the line, you're starting from that firm foundation in which you can do that. So if I'm not biased at all toward an MVM, MVVM framework in particular, um, can I, I mean, you said that there is one in template 10, like, is yep. it? You could it, use ours. You could use ours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you would, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's fine. Just, just yeah. use that one. Okay. The heart, the heart of an MVVM framework is three classes. And so mm -hmm. it's easy for anybody to write their own MVVM framework. So it was easy for us to do ours as well. But template 10 will never be as good as an MVVM framework as like MVVM Lite is. We'll never be as mm -hmm. good because MVVM Lite covers a lot of scenarios we don't. And so I imagine 75, maybe even 90% of the developers out there will never bring in a third-party MVVM framework into a template mm. 10 project. But the ones who love it should, and the ones who need it should as well. And we don't get in the way. You can totally use any MVVM framework. And the other same thing, thing we should with, point same out. Same thing with injection. We should point out that um, in the GitHub repository, there are a whole bunch of sample apps that use these templates and then incorporate Prism or incorporate MVVM Lite and demonstrate how simple and straightforward it is to add those into an application that's based off of the template 10 starting points. Yeah, we get a lot of questions on the issue, uh, the issues part of GitHub that ask, um, not really, they're not reporting anything. They're just asking how to do something. And so after the second question, usually I just write a sample instead and, put, and add it to the samples collection. And then the answer is just pointing them to that sample. You'd be surprised how many questions, get, issues get closed so quickly just because I can point them to those samples they didn't see before. So mm -hmm. there's probably 13 samples up there, but they're awesome. They're really awesome. They show each one is dedicated just to a simple problem. Yeah, and, and some of them problem. are contributed by the uh, the community as well. You know, it's not necessarily just a, you uh, writing all of those, which is pretty cool too. Yep. Do you have a right. sample of a complete podcast app? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, funnily enough. <laughs> I wrote it. Well, let us know when it's up there. Yeah. yeah. App this weekend. Let us know when yeah. you're sending us the $8 billion check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a trade-off, right? Oh man, we can't spend the whole eight billion. Uh, you know, I can't. I can't let that money leave our hands just as quickly as we got it. Okay, six for you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think Carl, can can we live off a billion each? Yeah, I, I think that. I think you know, I, we could rough it. I would. I would figure out a way with better, some thinking. You better clear that with your wife. <laughs> yeah. Like, honey, I gave away six billion dollars. You're all right with that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was to an open source project. Don't worry. I can I can spin it. You click the PayPal donate button. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit of a yeah, bit shift there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know, one of the other things I heard you guys mention before is that there's some controls that come with Template Ten. You know, what what can we expect from that uh, standpoint? Well, let's start with I hate that there are controls in Template Ten because I hate the idea of maintaining controls over time. <laughs> and so there are some controls, but not very many. Uh, I'll let Darren talk about them, but I just wanted to say that out loud. Yeah, I mean, we've got because uh, navigation applications were one of the uh, one of the key foundations of building 
a UWP app. And the fact that new in uh, the Windows 10 was this uh, split view control that made it simpler for people to create the hamburger style menus. And the fact that most of the out of the box apps that Microsoft ships, such as news and so on and so forth, all adopted that navigation pattern. It made sense for us to ship samples that were based around that control. But of course, we ran into the same problem that everybody else does, which is, in actual fact, it's not that easy to build a hamburger control with the navigation, certainly with the uh, primary and secondary navigations with uh, options aligned at the bottom and to get all the right highlighting and everything going on. It actually turned out to be a non-trivial activity to do it. So with a lot of help, I think, from other people, certainly people on the product teams and so on started contributing as well, a very robust control for the hamburger and navigations was created. That then kind of knocked on to, it introduced other challenges with layouts of other controls, such as bottom app bar would lay over the top of uh, the mm-hmm. split view pane. Our, uh, By the navigate- way, anybody listening, there's a bottom app bar solution sample. Just go look. Yes. At it. Stop <laughs> asking yeah. that question. Yeah. So many people do. Well, uh, how do I do it? <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go look at the sample. <laughs> Um, but it's the same with the header control, you know, as because we're now building these responsive apps that, you know, we didn't have to worry so much about this in the Windows 8.1 timeline if we were building desktop apps, but now we have apps that are running in a window and we can run the whole gamut of uh, full screen to a very small window docked up the top left-hand side of your screen or whatever. Our responsive apps have to adapt across all of these potential window sizes And that means things like the hamburger control need to respond and yield uh, screen real estate as less and less room is available for the core content of your application. So again, what was a pretty simple scenario, let's put one of those together. Now we've got to do wide, average, narrow, mobile, it became uh, and then, think of, then, then localization and globalization. <laughs> yes. And then you've got to do accessibility. I mean, if just it is creating a control, a control is really difficult, especially when you intend for any developer to use it. If you're writing oh, yeah. it for yourself, you can give yourself all kinds of nice constraints. But all of a sudden, when it's wide open and we say anybody could use it, that's why there's so few controls there. I would say the most yeah. popular control by name, at least, is the hamburger control inside. Because when the split view was released by the XAML team, um, there was, it, there's no UI to that control. And so every developer who wants a hamburger implementation, which is like every developer, it turns out, um, <laughs> if they want it, they have to write it from scratch. And so now no, with, with Templeton, you can drag it over from your toolbox. Okay, so how many people are working on this thing? I mean, is it just you guys or you have like 100 people? <laughs> we have 600 people. <laughs> <laughs> like like all in the same room no so i mean how, how many core contributors do you have oh i'd say if you boil it down to the main people who submit yeah. pull requests yeah it's probably like it's probably like nine i would say okay yeah so that's okay. cool there's that's a lot of people with opinions though that's for sure i mean i was oh you know, yeah <laughs> i'm sure but i i'm i was just thinking i mean when you're talking about the hamburger menu i mean you're you're absolutely right i i could see somebody having a full-time job where like their title is like, you know, hamburger, hamburger, menu guy. <laughs> hamburger maker. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to the burger flipper. <laughs> well, I, no, and seriously, I think, all you know, the vegetarians answer- are going to hate this show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think the point that you're making there answers the question as to why one didn't ship. Yeah. You know, it yeah, is, that's a good point. Yeah. It is a, 
a very non-trivial activity if you're Microsoft to produce a control because oh, you're on a bound to provide 26 language variations and mm -hmm. support all these different layouts and you've got to ship that in version one because you know we get hassle on uh, the issues list of our little uh, project. I can't imagine what Microsoft would get if they were trying to ship all of these different controls as they have yep, done many times. Yeah. You know, so that's why. We're well, and and Microsoft's federally bound as well. There's a lot of ADA mm. uh, regulations that they can't skirt past. That, you know, like Infragistics can. I mean, if you look mm -hmm. at like the tiers of things, like Microsoft has the hardest time. Infragistics has a hard time, and then you know, an open source project like this has pretty easy because we can release in stages. Yeah. And we finally. Well, and if get you there. don't like it, then fix it. That's kind of the that's kind of the mentality. Yeah. I mean, you guys only have so much time. I mean. Even, even, even the audience nine is very people. understanding of that. I must yeah. say, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, even if you that have was, nine people working, that was sarcastic. It's still impressive. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, we started yeah. this last summer, and so this yeah. is version two now. So it's you know we're kind of way past the what will eventually catch up with what it needs to have. Yeah. Now it's quite stable, and um, and you know it's uh, ten five eighty six is the current version current version of uh, the UWP platform. And so it's fully, everything's great with that, right? Everything's, now everything, now we're tweaking little things when they come up in these edge cases. And oddly enough, uh, we try and avoid edge cases too. If mm -hmm. you if you do the one thing that nobody else does, um, template 10 may never get fixed for you. And we, we you know, we're kind of honest with developers about that too. Yeah. But no, that that's sense. the reason it's open source. You could just pull down the code and do it yourself. A lot of people yeah, have exactly. done that. Like the Wall Street Journal used it, but they used their own branch of it. And, you know, like Ameritrade uses it, but they use their own branch of it. And internally, um, a lot of micro internal Microsoft projects, um, a lot of uh, first-party apps will ship with Templeton behind the scenes. And um, they all will use their own branch from whenever they decided to use it. And so a lot of developers go that route rather than pulling it out of NuGet. But again... That's, we're kind of going into the immortals again. If you go back to the mortals, like the rest of us who are just building apps, the rest of us still pull from NuGet and still kind of enjoy the servicing that we all add to it. So, yeah. anyway, I I think it's important. <laughs> we were like, someday it'll get good, but that's not that was that was how we talked about it. You know, about eight yeah. months ago. Yeah. So I'm out here on the website and it says, you know, what's in template 10? There's controls, there's behavior, services, converters. There's just tons and tons of good stuff here. Yeah. Samples, many samples. You guys love your samples. Um, what are, what are behaviors? Well, so <laughs> behaviors oh, came along. I'll think about that. Well, no, I mean, behaviors are relatively straightforward in that they, they came along um, in the Silverlight and then ended up in WPF as a oh, way okay. for a developer to encapsulate non-trivial activity that a designer could very easily attach to a control using a designer. So mm -hmm. expression blend, as it was at the time, introduced these um, reusable nuggets of code that you could attach to things, and they just called them behaviors. And so... Uh, in template 10, there are a host of behaviors that are available that very quickly allow you to take a button and give it navigation activity so that you could just drag this behavior on in the designer and all of a sudden it understands your back stack and knows whether it should be enabled or whatever. It allows you to intercept perhaps when a, a global back request has been uh, requested and perform some logic instead. Say, for example, you have a pop-up open. Closing a pop-up is not a navigation activity within the context of a navigation framework. You don't transition to another page. So you can intercept that uh, back request and instead close the pop-up. 
things developers like that. Who, developers who use behaviors quickly fall in love with them because um, they basically make controls do what they should have done in the first place. And so if you want, if there is, every time I click this button, I wish it would just change the background color to red or something like that. I wish mm -hmm. it wasn't a whole bunch of code to do that. And behaviors are what allow you to do it all declaratively, never with code, but all with code that you're declaring, right? So the code <laughs> is actually there. So you can go to a, a senior developer and you could say, write our two behaviors that we need. And you could go to the 10 junior developers you have and say, never write that. Always use the behavior. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's, it's, a, it's a XAML. It's only for XAML. And it's one mm -hmm. of the reasons developers get so addicted to, to XAML so fast. Yeah. It's the composability yeah, of it is, is a wonderful thing. Yeah. A behavior so, usually listens to something. And um, they usually have children that are called actions. And so we provide many behaviors and many actions inside Template 10 just that are redundant code that we've written written so many times. And so a behavior might listen, say, for a button click, and then the action does something like changes the background color. And you, mm -hmm. can, you can mix and match those and, or have multiple things to not only change the background color, but also one more action. So it's really cool how they can be composed. Yeah, I guess a really simple one is uh, attaching an enter behavior onto a text box. You hit enter, and it's going to fire another action, uh, which could be, say, submitting your form or whatever. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool. So we covered quite a bit today. Is there anything that we've forgotten before we wrap up? Well, let's see. Uh, I, as a reminder, that the entire, the entire breadth of this library will be covered in Microsoft Virtual Academy course. That's an all-day mm -hmm. course that Darren and I did. So I think that's – developers should know if this is interesting at all. If this is not interesting to you, I would be curious why the freak uh, That's what, That's kind of what I was <laughs> yeah. thinking because it sounds like everybody should be taking a look at this. And it sounds like 1% of those people will be like, no, this isn't for me. And the rest of you should, should try it. Yeah. If you're building a Windows 10 app, period, this should be your first line of, of, it, of at least research, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. You'll love it straight away. I get, it's, it's very rewarding, actually. I get a lot of emails that are just emails that say thank you. It's very rewarding to do an, a project like this that you know actually helps developers in their day-to-day -day work. I well, get, one, one thing I want to add along that thank you line is how discoverable, <clears throat> excuse me, template 10 is. I had a coworker who has never done any kind of UWP work. Um, he was told to just look into it. The first thing he found was template 10, mm. and he talked about how easy it made him to get started and figure this stuff out. Well, that's yeah. just awesome to hear. Really you guys said you did, you did like the documentation kind of last minute, but um, I, I've been going out here like this is super well organized. This is I, th awesome. I think we said we did it recently. Not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's that spin I was talking about. Yeah. Was it a week ago last Monday? <laughs> <laughs> Just in time documentation. I, yeah. I think there's a performance advantage to that. <laughs> well, it was yeah, we did to rewrite it. Yeah. And oh, it's, it's, uh, and this is really I mean, good we're stuff. We're not the only authors of documentation. It's neat to see other developers. Yeah. And you know what? Darren and I joke about this, how it's crazy that there are other developers who sort of understand aspects of Template 10 better than even we do because mm -hmm. that they are, they've just reverse engineered it and just really, 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 really gotten into it. And so yeah. I'll get pull requests. We get pull requests constantly, of course. And I'll get pull requests that are changing things that, I mean, it takes me maybe you know a full hour just to get back in the mindset of what are you changing and why. And some yep. of them are just brilliant. I mean, absolutely feel like we've tapped into a kind of crowdsourced genius in a way. 
Yeah, because because there's for each feature, I'm sure there's somebody out there where like that that's their whole world. That's that's what you know. That's what they're in day in day out. And what's funny is uh, one time we were reviewing a uh, class, and uh, I couldn't recognize anything in there. And so Jerry ran an annotate on there. And the only thing I owned was a piece of white space between lines of code. <laughs> hey, at, le- at least your name was on it. That's right. <laughs> Don't just look at the high-level graph when you see Darren's activity. Drill in just a little. <laughs> yeah, I'm going into every damn class and putting in a new line. <laughs> Yeah, it's not that hard to have. And it's not a comment either. It's just a new line. No, it's just new line. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But, I, you know, all kidding aside, like I always encourage everybody, like, you know, as far as like the documentation for, as, as an example, if you see a typo, whatever, like still fix it. Like this oh, stuff yes. is important. Please, and it's please. a good, it's a good way to get in that habit of just being continually improving things. And the next thing you know, you will be uh, starting to make changes in the code and you're, you're, you know, the, the impact that you're having on the whole development community will just keep going up and up. And that's, it, that's just, it's you a get fine balance, Jason, between um, continually improving and reducing churn. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's weird yeah. because you don't want to make so that it's always different. You want to make it so it's always no. the same, but you don't want to make it so it's always broken either. So you want to be able to make it so it's better without, that's been really difficult with template 10. I'll be honest. Oh, really? And when we broke to version 1.1, there were, there mm-hmm. were plenty of breaking changes that we had to introduce. And so now we have an issue actually up on GitHub now that lists all the breaking changes we're planning to do. And so okay. there's, it's just yeah. kind of where it has to go. And nothing's first, nothing's right the first time, the second or the fifth, you know, there are things are always kind of needing to be improved. But I, what I don't see, and Darren, correct me if you see it differently, um, what I don't see is any future version of template 10 that's dramatically different from the version we have today. Do you see one? It's, it's always hard to predict the future because we don't know what um, else is going to come along in Redstone and so on and so forth that we turn around and say, hey, you know what, this is a must-have. Um, but, yeah, I do tend to agree. What I actually, what I see is more likely is introducing companion packages that, you know, maybe it's a template10.contrib where um, some of the edge cases that uh, people are coming across that they feel they want to share but we don't feel belongs in the core package itself that confuses perhaps what is right now a clear implementation and guidance. You know, people are always coming across what-if scenarios that they hit in their own particular scenarios that maybe um, are useful to share but don't belong in the core. And I, I could see that. I could see us mm-hmm. breaking out perhaps uh, template10.controls if people keep contributing yeah. the controls. I could and definitely so see that Make happening. it more modular, yeah. Yeah, yeah where, you get, where you get something like template10core Instead, yeah. uh, and no controls come with that until you add mm-hmm. the controls. Yeah, yeah, I could see that happening. Uh, everybody's got uh, 15 terabyte uh, SSDs now, so I wouldn't yeah. worry about it. That's yeah. right. And all the <laughs> bandwidth you can ever drink. It's terrific. Yeah. Is that available on Amazon, Carl? Because I want to put a referral link in the uh, show notes. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on here. Let's see. Uh, Azure Pick of the Week, which I haven't had in like 10 episodes uh, because – you know, we do we do just in time show notes for the for the show. So uh, my Azure pick of the week is Azure Files. So this is kind of a cool feature. I don't think we featured on the on the show before, but what this is is it's an SMB three compliant um, uh, network share that you can attach to Azure virtual machines. But you can also, since this is a cloud service, you can actually attach it to local machines. 
Now, I wouldn't rec- you know, this isn't like an amazing way of like copying files back and forth between those machines. The intended use case is basically for sharing files within an application, so in a programmatic sense, and also for applications that you want to lift and shift up to Azure where they do need to have that common file system between two different machines. This is a way to do that. So you can you can basically mount that file share on two different machines and it's sort of like having um, you know, basically a NAS uh, providing a an SMB compliant share between those two machines. So it's a pretty cool service um, and it will help, you know, it it basically removes a blocker for for those types of applications that need something like that. And then Carl, it looks like we have a dev tip of the week. Yes, and my dev tip of the week is for those web developers out there or those who are making UWP apps that uh, use CSS and JavaScript is don't write CSS anymore, use SAS. Mm. SAS is a CSS preprocessor so first and foremost, if you write CSS, that's valid SAS. But it gives you cool things like variables. So you can have like your company color, and if it ever changes, you only have to change that in one spot. Uh, you can nest things, so you don't have to just keep writing unique uh, uh, tags everywhere. Um, there's partials. Um, you can import from other SAS files. There's mixins, or what in an object-oriented language you'd call functions. So you can do calculations. Um, there's math, there's inheritance. <clears throat> this is really cool. Uh, a few years ago, myself and Brandon, who uh, has been on the show quite a few times, did an actual demonstration showing how you can write object-oriented CSS using SAS. And uh, I've been using it for years, and it's great. So if it's something new to you, you might want to check out something like Bootstrap. They recently changed from less to SAS, and um, you know it's just makes your CSS much more maintainable. Yeah, and the last time we had Brandon on it, you know, I asked him, I said, is SAS winning? And uh, it sounds like that is the case. Sounds like less and less people are using less. <laughs> and, yeah, more people are using SAS. Uh, okay, Darren, since you're new to the show, I'll let you go first. Uh, I need you to pick either the number one or the number four. <laughs> the other numbers have been used up on this card. That's why. Four. <laughs> Number four. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. That makes me number one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are used to that, so it's. So not this a is thing. a uh, this is a very uh, professional game. Uh, so you have to answer this question. <clears throat> Would you rather eat a steak that has been left on a busy road for an hour, hmm. or drink a glass of juice that has been in has been slowly poured through a wig of a sweaty fat woman with dandruff? <laughs> She's a fat woman. It has to be. <laughs> This is like the most politically correct show of all time. I I don't know. We're very politically correct here. It's the card, man. This is like in stores. Blame the card, Jason. Blame the card. Well, you know, this this was one of those blank ones, right, Jason? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. We have we have video. There we go. Mm. There it is. There you go. That's handwritten. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I would have to go with a steak on a hot street. Let's hope it's hot enough to cook the steak. Exactly. Well, this is on a busy road for a busy road. Yeah, but I'm imagining it's hot, and that makes me feel better. Well, yeah, that's what <laughs> I'm imagining it too. Can you can you pick where it goes on the road? Like if it's in the middle, I mean, just be like a drop of oil or something, right? Well, it's yeah, like, you fry it's it. It's like in the oil. grosser than gross game. Remember that when <laughs> yeah. you were a kid? Oh, you know what's well, grosser than gross? Um, okay. Yeah, we don't want to play. Are there cards for that? Because we can get that on the show. Well, in my yeah, military would... past, I've eaten. Um, semi-decomposed animals so uh, <laughs> but i've never 
ever drunk juice strained through a sweaty woman's wig. So no. <laughs> well, that's something you have to try. And maybe it's great. Um, so, maybe. so uh, Jerry, number one. <laughs> number uh, one. Jerry. I'm going to choose number one. Well, you have to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, would you rather again, have I'm to forced into this number one position? <laughs> would you... <laughs> you can't. You just can't help but be number one. Is that what? Is that what this is? All I do is win, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just save uh, this clip for your performance review okay yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> would you rather have to walk on five foot stills stilts not stills yes that <laughs> would be completed yeah. for the rest of your life oh or always have to ride a unicycle to get around so it sounds like you can get off the unicycle huh yeah so so it's like unicycle you can get off it so it's just you know well I think I'm going to go with stilts. I live in the mountains. I it it is 40 miles to the Microsoft office from here. That is a long. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you, it's all downhill though. So I guess I can just kind of go <laughs> both ways. So you're the reason <laughs> it's uphill ways. every other place. <laughs> <laughs> you're stealing all the downhills. <laughs> yeah, but there's no freewheeling on a unicycle. <laughs> yeah, you, you just hold. That. You just oh, that's a good out. point, right? Yeah. Well, you could. I mean, if you're really good, maybe. Yeah, and I'm really good. <laughs> he is in fact number one. <laughs> not unicycle. That's right. Oh, I think you're bragging yourself out of number one here. Carl, what would you have chosen there? I think I would have chosen the stilts as well. Yeah, I mean the I rest you of have... your life. I mean, who knows? You may not live long, you know. And, and that's only when you want to walk. <clears throat> like if I want to run, it says you have to walk on five foot stilts for the rest of your life. Yeah, can I can I run without them? Hmm. It wouldn't well, say. You wouldn't get any very far, would you? You'd be stuck at the first doorway you needed to go through. Yeah, we need to get this like on GitHub or something so we can <laughs> we can like, you know, keep building out the questions so there's no ambiguity. Uh, some J- good documentation, Jason guys. And Carl, guys, I want to tell you that this without question is my favorite podcast that I listen to. Well, Absolutely thank you. brilliant. Thank you. You guys have great guests. I mean, really, not. I mean, this show excluded, of course, but you have, you have great guests. You know, he doesn't you're mean always that. Talking about like, like Darren, like Darren, yeah, Darren for example. was a great guest. Yeah, he was terrific. You know, you, even at number four, Darren was pretty good. You know, it's just great. No, but genuinely, I mean, it's just one of those things. And you guys are reliable, and it's always there, and mm-hmm. I love it. Anyway, just thought I'd tell you. Well, thank you. So, where can people find more about you, Jerry? Because we Jerry want to learn Nixon. more about you. My last name is Nixon, N-I-X-O-N. So I'm at jerrynixon.com, J-E-R-Y, N-I-X-O-N.com. Or Twitter's at Jerry Nixon as well. Perfect. And Darren, where can people find you? So Twitter, at Darren May. And you can also visit my company site, crank211.com. Which is, which is an awesome name, by the way. Yeah. And Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash ytechie. So, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure. And, of course, anytime either of you want to come back, just say the word, and you are welcome on the show, of course. Thanks, guys. Good. Had fun. 